Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Well, hey, Paul, welcome back from Florida. How was that? Dude, we missed you, man. It was, you know, it was nice to meet Chad and, and uh, a few other folks for the first time, main, mainly him, though. Yeah. Um, and Marty. And, and just enjoy each other's company, be around like-minded people. You know, James was there, of course, Ryan, uh, met uh, this guy, DK. But it was nice to be around people doing it right. And when yeah. I say doing it right, I mean, you know, IBC and in this, in this business. So what, you were down there for the uh, leaders conference for one of the companies that we write business for. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that means as far as what percentage, like Paul and I both qualified for a, an all expense paid trip to Florida at a, Really cool resort, three nights, really nice. four days. I unfortunately got called up for uh, some military duty that I could not get out of for the second year in a row and missed the conference. <laughs> so uh, I was sitting uh, in an office all week while you were out on the beach and being wined and dined. So congrats to you. Yeah, thank you. Now, the weather was great. And then Tammy and I, it was our anniversary week, week that week uh, on the 13th. So we extended for a few days and just spent an extra couple nights at the hotel. And... Uh, but nice. yeah, super, super, super nice. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, I had a uh, pretty eventful weekend. It started by um, proposing and getting engaged on a Friday afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then spent all day Saturday and Sunday at a baseball tournament about an hour and a half from here. So it's, it was a really fun time, though. I mean, you get down there with all the parents, parents get to know each other better. All the boys get to hang out together and play ball and stay in a hotel room and uh you know, my son Blake uh, hit a game, uh, a walk-off home run to put us in the championship game. So that was the highlight, and he did it on Father's Day. So that was pretty cool, pretty good gift. Doesn't get much better than that. No, man, it was it was it was great to see. It's just so fun to see those kids uh, get better every every game, every practice. Just you know, so from where they started to where they are now, it's pretty unreal. But. No, that's awesome. Well, congrats, man, all around. I mean, yeah, thanks. Some big, some big moves. Some big moves, yeah, and uh, yeah, big expenses coming up, but it's a good thing I have <laughs> available capital to cover it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I can't so, wait to I can't wait to hear what a wedding costs nowadays. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, you don't. You don't want to know. Just avoid a second wedding. Um, I'm sure you'll do that. So or third or fourth or whatever it may be for anybody else out there. <laughs> yeah, roger that. Uh, yeah, but it'll be worth it. Um, all right, well, let's get to it, man. Today we're going to take uh, a second hack at some questions from listeners, from clients, uh, from you and I that we've collected over uh, the last little bit of time. So um, we get, we'll, we'll get through as many as we can here in the 30 minutes or so, and then we'll save some for next time. So. Well, why don't I start asking you the first one, Paul? Is there a limit on how much I can put in to these policies? Uh, not like they're thinking, right? They're thinking, you know, the person asks that question, right? And that question comes up a lot. 
they're thinking qualified plan. Like, hey, I can only put this much in a traditional 401k. I can only put 6000 a year into a Roth or whatever. Which is why they're asking, right? Because yeah, they're used exactly to having right. limits, IRS yeah, limits imposed. Right. That's right. They're programmed to think like this. Oh, I can right. only do this, right? Because um, the gracious master only lets me put that much in. <laughs> so for a whole life insurance, the answer is yes. However, it, it is a different calculation. And it's how, how it's calculated is... Well, there's there's age considerations, there's health considerations, and then there's income or net worth considerations, right? So generally speaking, an insurance, a life insurance company will will consider you uh, a working age person until you're around age 65, right? So if you're a 30 year old guy or gal, you can you've got 35 more years to you know, produce an income. So you take your income, if you're making 100,000 bucks a year, multiply that times 35 if you're 30, and that's how much death benefit underwriting you can have. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, yeah, that's, a, you know, an approximate, you know, wag. And that's and that's a swag, it's a right? I mean, it's, but it's fairly close. Yep, uh, the, the other limit, so you're, that's the death benefit side of the equation, but there's also a premium side of the equation. Is there a limit to how much premium you can pay? In general, life insurance companies don't like to allow you to pay more than 25% of your gross annual income and in premium. If you do, they're gonna have more questions. Underwriting will have more questions and you just have to justify it somehow. Maybe you have you know, a, a lot of money in savings that could uh, pay for that premium for several years, or maybe you have um, a business, like most business owners, real estate investors, we all try to minimize our income, right? Try to get mm -hmm. as small as an income as possible, which is great for tax purposes, terrible for going to the bank for a loan. You know, just a conventional loan for a mortgage or something like that. Um, but so there's, there's other considerations we can take into account to increase your, what the underwriting, what underwriting will look at as your annual income, right? We can take business income. There's some things we can do. But in general, you know, 25% of your annual income gross is is kind of what you're limited to um, right at the beginning anyway right yeah and <clears throat> in other words you can't make a hundred thousand dollars a year and pay a hundred thousand dollars a year of premium right put yep. put quite simply there you go okay so but it as far as irs limits that they impose you know on other qualified plans uh no no yeah they don't exist right Okay. Uh, well, so how can I build this? This is this is one that comes up a lot for people who, especially people who get it. They read the book, they they do their research, search, and they're like, "Oh man, I I want to get this going, but I want to get it going yesterday, not five to seven years from now." So they ask, "How can I build this policy as quickly as possible to use for maybe they have a big purchase coming up." Maybe they're gonna, you know, they have a roof that needs to be replaced and they have to do it out of pocket. So they got 20 grand, they gotta do this right away, but they don't wanna just give over that cash and pay cash for it and lose the ability to earn anything on that 20 grand the rest of their life. So like, how can I get this in there and use it right away? Sure. Well, there's, <clears throat> this is gonna depend on the company that you are getting insured, you know, getting your policy through, right? So, some companies allow you to put in what's called like a single lump sum or a single premium on top of your whatever premium you set for your for your yearly premium or your monthly premium, right? So 
we do that a lot sometimes for the for this very reason someone wants to get get their tithe in there or get their the new roof expense or in my case you know before i pay that tax bill every year to the fed um put into a policy first and anyway so there are ways to get those lump sum inside a policy so that you can kind of jumpstart your system and that's going to provide you a certain amount of death benefit for a certain amount of years depending on how, how it's structured um so yes, the answer is it is possible. It just depends. Yeah, it depends. Uh, well, and here's another one that really goes hand in hand with that, especially for real estate investors, uh, which we had somebody comment on our YouTube video. They wanted a little more explanation, a more deep dive into real estate and how this benefits them, uh, which we'll get to on a, a future episode. But this question, I say, I just sold a property and I want to stuff as much of this cash into a policy as possible. Uh, but I know I won't be able to do that next year or the year after. So can I do this? And the answer is yes. Just like you said, there's uh, that lump sum option with many companies where we can do that. We can dump as much as as we can build as much room as we can we can in the first year. And maybe it would accommodate all of that cash that you just got out of that property or maybe it wouldn't. You'd have some left over. Uh, in any case, yeah, we can max that out, and that's a great way to get that in there, get that working for you right away, and never lose the uh, the value of those dollars by just taking them, putting them in a checking account, and spending it for you know your other expenses in life. Put it there first, and then it's going to be working for you forever. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Um, when does this come up for real estate investors? <clears throat> well, we know a lot of part apartment syndicators. And what do they get? They get acquisition fees, right? So we're talking to one right now who says, hey, hey, I've got three or four acquisition fees coming up in the next six to nine months. Uh, I want to be able to put all of that cash somewhere because, you know, I, I want to keep that. I, I want to build my war chest, which is what a lot of people are doing these days. Right now, June 2022, people are building their war chest to get ready for what's coming next. Um, so yep. that'd be a, a great opportunity to do that. Um, design a policy. In fact, maybe for the first, I had one client a year ago who said, hey, I'm selling you know, an apartment building every year for the next three years. So I wanna be able to stuff, say $50,000 a year for the next three years. But then after that, I only want my premium to be 25,000 uh, or 20,000. So there's, there's ways to design these. That's why it's so great, because it's so flexible. Um, and it's case by case. It's tailor-made for each person's particular scenario. Yeah. I would generally say that almost anything is possible that you want to do. Yeah. That, you can, that your imagination can come up with. Yeah. What The examples we just talked about are quite simple, very common as well. You know? Right. Dump yeah, a lump sum in there and then... There it is. You've you've got it. You, and they're very you know the lowest lump sums folks are very efficient too. Um, you hear us talk about well the policy doesn't go cash on cash for the first twelve years or ten years or eight years or whatever it is. Um, but those lump sums, those PUAs, are quite efficient. Uh, generally, beyond ninety percent efficient. Right. Oh yeah, very efficient. Ninety two percent somewhere around there. So sure. yeah, you don't lose a whole lot of liquidity right there. That's and right. Then you gain it back very quickly over the next few years. That's right. Yeah. How about this one? Can I insure employees? Yeah. Yeah, there's there's several different ways. You know, we've talked about this in, in the past with some some folks that we know. You know, take out key person or key man insurance on uh, if you're a business owner, you have this key employee who you know if you lose them, 
you know, there's going to be a there's going to be a downturn in efficiency to your business or or profitability. So you want to be able to absorb that loss of income while you're searching for the next star employee, right? Maybe it's your your general manager or your you know whatever whatever it is that the function that person's putting at your um, fulfilling at your company. So <clears throat> that's that's one way. Key key person insurance. Yep, that's a great one, and that's for it could be your highest highest earning salesperson. Sure. Right, and if something happens to them, then you're at a real you know loss for cash flow until they are replaced and that person's trained up, or you find another rock star salesperson. So. Yeah, really, it's a gap filler, um, and it, it could pay huge dividends. Uh, and when that person, if that person decides to leave the company, you still get to keep the policy going. Um, but it just creates so many options for you. Um, That's right. There's another one, uh, one that often business partners. Now, business partners, listen up. If you are in business with somebody and you don't have a buy-sell agreement, first off, you need to put one in place. So your beneficiaries, your heirs know what's going to happen with that business so that you know and you can sleep at night knowing what's going to happen to that business if, God forbid, tragedy strikes you in your sleep or whatever. Um, the second, if you have a buy-sell agreement, that's a great first step. But if you have no capital to back up that buy-sell agreement, it's pretty useless, right? So how that works is, you know, Really, the easiest thing to do is both business partners will buy a life insurance policy on each other. They fund it, they own it, they control it. And when, if the other business partner dies um, before that business, you know, is dissolved or they split up or something, then the other business partner cashes out, you know, gets that life insurance income from that life insurance policy. And they can use that to buy out the other, the deceased business partner's interest in the company from the family. So that's uh, if you don't have that, you need it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you, if you don't have this in your business, um, you know, you have the legal aspects. It's kind of, you know, it's like, Dave, it's, it's the same thing for, for just family people when you have a will uh, or power, powers of attorney, right? You know, instructions, you know, break glass, case Paul dies, this is what's going to happen, right? right? The, the, the truck goes to Anthony, the car goes to Carmel, you know, whatever, right? Um, same thing with the business, man. Yeah, you explained that perfectly. And if I would say, if you don't have one of those, you you must and fund it with whole life insurance. Yeah, absolutely. So it so that it will be there when you need it. And in the meantime, guess what? You get to access the cash value. You yep. own the policy. You control it. You can whatever you want to yep. do. You could do IBC with it. You do IBC with it. So there you go. Yep. Um, yeah, good. And then. So here's one thing I'm just gonna add on to that. Uh, a couple weeks ago, a buddy reached out to me, just sent me an email and said, hey, Dave, I just told my significant other, I gave her your name and contact info and said, if anything happens to me, call Dave. And he will, like I'm not, he's an agent also. You know, I'm not his agent, so I can't get his policy paid out or anything like that. But he said, call Dave and he will help you do something with that money to ensure that it sticks around and is put to, you know, the best value possible for, for her and her son. So uh, if you haven't done that, at least do that. Like just send an email to somebody saying, hey, I, I told my wife, I told my husband, 
uh, if I die, they're going to call you and you're going to help with the finances because chances are there's one person in, in, the, in a relationship who doesn't really keep up on the finances. It's not their thing. So they give that duty to the other person. So, yep, I think that's accurate for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, hell, we did the same thing with you. Tammy knows who to call. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what about this one? This one comes up all the time and it's usually an indication that people don't, they haven't quite got it. Right. So you, we, we know where they are in their knowledge level, uh, of the infinite banking concept, but they're, yep, they're, it's an indicator for it's, sure. It's an indicator, right? Just like when, when Paul plays, um, oh, you know, one of those, uh, old earth, wind and fire songs on a jukebox at a restaurant. I know that. Wow. Yeah. I'm more of a, uh, Everly a, brothers guy. Okay. Uh, it's an indicator that, okay. He's one of these guys. Got it. Okay, so um, yeah, everything's Earth, an indicator. So one of these questions that, that we get all the time is, hey, I, I contribute to an IRA. Um, I contribute to 529 plans for my kid's college. Should I do IBC instead? And what do you say, Paul? Yes. Done. Next. Final answer. Yep. No. Okay. I know where you're going with this. So in case you all didn't know, we do not script this. I mean, that's, that's how good we are, right? <laughs> no, so my real answer is yes. And this is, this is me in a nutshell, right? However, the answer Dave is looking for is, no, you could do both, right? Right. You can, once you understand how these, how IBC, the process of IBC works and how dividend-paying whole life insurance, the product through which to practice IBC functions, right, you know that, the first stop for your capital, whether it's your IRA contribution every year, your 529 contribution every year, whatever, should stop there first. It should be premium dollars first in your own infinite banking system. Doesn't matter how many policies you have, it could be one, it could be five, it could be 10, doesn't matter, right? But it should, the money should go there first. And then you do whatever you want from there, right? If you still wanna to contribute to a 529, great. But now you have dollars doing multiple jobs for you instead of just, Oh, I'm putting the money in the 529 and then, oh crap, the kid didn't go to college and now I have to pay a penalty and taxes on that money that, that I have in there. Right. Wonderful. Yes. So you can do both, but I, I like your first answer, which, you know, we're not, we're not telling anybody to, to not do those things. That is your choice yeah. to do what you want. <clears throat> um, but as for Paul and I, um, yeah, the answer is yes. Uh, you sh I Paul, you choose to, and I choose to do IBC instead. Uh, we could do both. We just do this instead and do, you know, do have a different strategy for putting that money to work. Right. Your goal should be to make too much money to put into a Roth, right? There you go. So there's a threshold for that. It's not very, it's not that high anymore. Not anymore um, with inflation. It seems a, a lot lower than it was a few years ago. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say is I thought I understood IBC when I first started, but nope. And you, You'll attest to this. I was still doing my TSP, maxing it, right, for the first probably a year into my, my, my policies. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you had a separate person kind of like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. It was, it was hard to shut off. So I understand the angst. Um, I'm telling you, once you do it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's a mindset, though. It's you got to be in the right mindset. Yep. Keep reading, keep studying and look and, and then look around at what's going on. Yes, look around. We talked about that in uh, you know, our last episode or the one before that, like 
Yep. Look at your surroundings. Look at the environment that you're in and uh, make some decisions based on that as well. Uh, you said, you almost got me cracking up here. You said, this is me in a nutshell. And anytime somebody says that, I just think of that Austin Powers. He's like, this is me in a nutshell. <laughs> and uh, that's all I can think of. So don't ever say that again, unless you want me to laugh. Um, so here's some things some clients say. Um, here's one. How much premium should I pay? So that's kind of the opposite question or, you know, how much premium do I have to pay? It's kind of opposite of that first question we asked, which is, <clears throat> is there a limit to how much I can pay? So, Paul, what do you usually advise to people when they say, maybe they do get it. Maybe they're like, I really want to do this. This makes so much sense. Uh, help me figure out how much premium I can pay. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different people that ask that question. One, who doesn't understand IBC yet? There's that person. They just don't get it. Yeah. You know, because my answer is going to be, well, as much as you can possibly afford. You know, what's twenty? You know, twenty five percent of your income. That's that's my that's my answer. Um, you, the other person is just they want to be told, hey, you know, there is the only limit is twenty five percent of your income, right? That's that's the limit. So that's that's the goal. But they but they get IBC. That's the other person. I understand IBC. I want to put as much into this as I can. How do I do that? And then we, you know, we custom design a series of policies or one policy or whatever to, accomp to accomplish that goal. Yeah. Okay. Why don't you take the one about committing more money on an annual basis? I didn't really understand that one, but I think you have a better handle on that question. The, mor the mortgage one? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> this guy's very smart, engineer, listener. So Brent, if you're listening. So... This is this is what he put in an email. Now I'd be commit, you know, talking about premium, right? That's the context. Talking about premium level, I would be committing more money, premium, to that, meaning a policy, on an annual basis, than the principal and interest on our current mortgage for a time period longer than our mortgage would last. So let's say he's got you know 25 years left in his mortgage. You know, he's going to be paying on this policy until age 75 or age 95, whatever, age 100. So my answer, to him, my response to him was like, yes, that's true. In fact, I pay more than double what my mortgage is in premium every year. That's the whole idea. Pay significant premium so that we can, one, Nash teaches us, right? Don't do business with banks, right? That's one of his, that's one of his five principles, right? Yeah. Don't do business with banks. In order to cut out the banks, you can't pay $100 a month in premium, right? Right. You're going to pay significant premium to build your own financing system through this product. So yes, you are, you might be paying as much as your mortgage or more than it. And that's fine. Right. That's right. totally, that's, that's good. So I just, it was just funny. It was just, you know, understanding and growing pains and, um, learning the why and, and getting in the right mindset. That mindset shift is, is hard. It's difficult. It's not no, it is. normal to pay a lot of premium for as little depth benefit as you can get. It's very yeah. atypical. Right. And you said it, but Nash said it this way, don't be afraid to capitalize. Don't be afraid to capitalize. That's really what it is. Pay a lot of premium. Um, I tell people, every time I talk to somebody, we, we get down to the premium question, like how much should we put in as a premium? How should we design this? I say it really comes out to two things. It's got to be uh, manageable and meaningful. So 
can you manage that premium? So we'd take a look at their overall holistic finances, where the cash flow in, cash flow out. Where's all the cash flow out going? And then can we redirect that? What what of that can we redirect? What of, what of it can we not? Uh, and we figure out, okay, we can put this much here, and this is what's manageable <clears throat> for you. But let's take a look and make sure it's meaningful also. So if you're redirecting $100 a month, $200 a month, like, yeah, that's manageable. You can do that without losing a wink of sleep. But is it meaningful? No. It's going to take you decades to, to build anything useful that you can use to replace a bank, uh, a commercial bank, right? So it's definitely got to be meaningful. No, I love that. No, it's a perfect way to describe it. Uh, I think uh, James says this sometimes, you know, your premium level is probably going to be uncomfortable if you're paying appropriate premium relative to your income. It's going to be uncomfortable because you don't nobody else, you know nobody that's doing that. Yeah, and since I heard him say that, I've started telling that to people. I'm like, okay, because sometimes they're like, well, what is, you know, what is manageable? Define manageable. And I say, well, it's an amount you can do Think of the amount that you could do comfortably. Now add more to that until you get slightly uncomfortable and you're like, this is going to be tight. That right there is your premium. There you go. Yeah. Because no, they quickly I, realize it's actually not as tight as I thought it was going to be when I started, right? It's not. And you, <clears throat> I think you end up getting rid of some waste. Uh, I've had clients in the past like, why, do I, why am I doing this? Why am I spending $600 a month on this? And they, it goes away. Um, I've, I've had clients double their premium in six months. Yeah. They, they set a premium level right out of the gate, lump sum, manageable monthly, manageable monthly premium. And then six months later, uh, I, need, I need another policy. Yeah. And luckily, he's a super healthy guy, super preferred, and doubled it. Well, and if he would have locked in his insurability through a convertible term policy the first time, it would have been even easier. And you've done that a few times where people just yep. say, hey, I'm ready to convert you know, half a million of that $3 million policy. Let's convert half a million now. And paperwork and it's done. Yep. We're doing that right now with a, with a guy. And of course, he's only 31. He's super young, yeah. but uh, going to pay significant premium relative to his income. So, yep. Good. Um, and what, here's, did we already do the convertible term? Yeah. So episode 18, if you want to listen to more yeah. about the convertible term policy, which is a, a, a huge value add and something everybody should really heavily consider, uh, take a listen to episode 18. Um, yep. Here's a good one. So considering the interest rates right now, you know, the fed bumping up that commercial loan interest rate or the bank loan rate and all that, and interest rates looking like they're they're climbing, mortgage, mortgage rates have doubled in the last couple months. What about the interest rates? Like when we take a loan from a life insurance company, we're paying them an interest rate to borrow that money because it's their money we're, we're borrowing because we're not borrowing our own, right? So we're paying interest. How do we see the loan interest rate being affected? And conversely, how is this going to affect the dividend rate that life insurance companies pay from our opinion? What would you say to that? So the second part of that, the dividend rate, that's complicated. Yeah. That's like, that's uh, the higher ups of the company that need to answer that. But generally speaking, 
there's a lot that goes on in calculating the di- the dividend that a, an insurance that a mutual life insurance company issues every year. And you know, is it is, they have short term port they have short term money that they're counting on. They have long term money that they're counting on, and there's everything in between. It just that really depends. Generally speaking, if interest rates were like they were in the in the 80s, right? You know, I think we're kind of still enjoying some of that, perhaps. Um, you know, dividend rates are going to go higher, right? So dividend rates, if if the Fed's rates are high, dividend rates are going to be high generally. But it's going to take, uh, and, you know, a period of time for that to catch up. Yeah. Right. Policy loans. I don't know when we will see the companies increase. Currently, most of the companies are somewhere in that 4 to 6% range, and they've been there for a while. Interest rates have been low for a while, and that's generally been the, the charge uh, of interest at um, you know, generally 5%, right? When we'll, we'll see an uptick, uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have a, a stronger opinion. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care. True. Yeah, that that right there is. I value my capital at ten percent. It's going to be less than that. The policy loan rate is going to be less than that. That's what I pay back my policy loans at anyway. I pay them back as fast as I can. I'm paying back at a high rate, right? So I don't care if the policy rate goes from five to six or five to seven or I don't. I don't care. Yeah. Maybe that's not the best answer, folks. But uh, once you understand what what we're doing here. You'll say the same thing. Quite I think that's a great answer, man. I would agree 100%. You know, what are the rates going to do? The loan interest rates, the dividend rates. It's kind of like watching uh, that question is, it's kind of reminds me of watching like Sports Center, like these guys talking about like, oh, well, what will Aaron Rodgers impact <clears throat> be on the Green Bay Packers this year? Who knows? Nobody. So I don't right. care what you have to say because right. what you say means nothing uh, and has no weight on what what is actually going to happen. So your answer is perfect. Like we don't know, um, but we don't care either. These, these companies have paid out dividends for over a hundred years straight that we use. So I'm I'm pretty confident they're going to continue to pay out dividends. I'm very confident in that. Um, there is going to be a dividend rate. There's uh, in, in my opinion, and the loan interest rate. You're right. I don't really care because right now. Yeah, your the value of your capital is ten percent. Man, with inflation, with interest rates climbing, maybe we get back to nineteen eighties levels, and the value of our capital is going to be much higher than ten percent. Yeah, it just no means question. we're going to be going only for opportunities where our va- capital is valued at that level, and it's always going to be at a higher level than what we're borrowing at, always, or else it wouldn't make sense. Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Well, all right. Um, well, we hit our time limit here. I think we, we got some a few more questions, but we'll just save them for the next episode unless you have any parting shots you want to add to any of these. No, I'll just – I haven't done this parting shot in a while, but if you're, if you're listening to us and you want to reach out and stuff, we're going to tell you to pick up Becoming Your Own Banker, probably the case for IBC. Uh, we're going to have you listen to some, some episodes. So if that's you, please pick those things up. And uh, by all means, bring, bring your questions to the table. But um, don't work with anyone that hasn't read the book. Absolutely. And I, I love that you hit on that all the time because I've had, I don't know, we've had several people reach out to us 
And my favorite type of people, it, it happened just recently. Somebody said, it, it was a lady. She said, hey, I read the book. I listened to your podcast. I got the book. I read it. I just finished it. So I'm ready to schedule time with you. I'm like, outstanding. That's great. So I'm, really looking, I'm really looking forward to that conversation because I know she'll be at a different level than somebody who's coming in cold will be at. And it's, it'll be more beneficial on both sides. Yeah, please, there is some good content out there, but I had this conversation the other day, people are out there, well, I've, I've watched some videos on YouTube, and of course, I have no idea what he's watched. I know he's a good guy, because we had a conversation, but I, I don't know what he's watched, right? So I, I got to him early enough, so he hasn't probably tainted too much, but, yeah. you know, there's there's good content out there, and there's not good content, and there's noise out there, too. There's a lot of it. Lots of it, yeah, so check out... I've got some videos out there on my YouTube channel. And then, of course, all of our podcasts are on uh, uh, Wealth Warehouse YouTube channel. I so. use your little four-minute video all the time. Yeah. it's. Uh, I might be biased, but it's the best four-and-a-half-minute explanation I've ever seen on this concept. And um, you filmed that with uh, with like an Obama phone. It was I like filmed an Android, it with a wasn't Google it? Pixel. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the Google still, I, th I think the Google Pixel was far and above way better than any iPhone I've ever owned. But I'm back to the iPhone because... There's just some things I can't, I don't like to live without. So we'll leave it at that. There's uh, there's my two cents. On that. <laughs> <laughs> I've on said that. that on a couple episodes now. Yeah. Uh, so all right. funny. Cool. Well, all right, Paul. Hey, good catching up, bud. And uh, we'll talk right. to everybody next week. All right, brother. See right. ya. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.